Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Well, hello again from Denver Seminary. This is Engage 360, and I'm Don Payne, your host for this weekly podcast. These last few weeks, we have taken a break from our typically diverse range of guests and topics in order to focus on the coronavirus crisis that has just about the entire globe in a stranglehold. Here at Denver Seminary, when we talk about engaging the needs of the world with the redemptive power of the gospel, we're committed to stepping into the mess. Now, that's a phrase I picked up from Dr. Young. Uh, We're committed to doing that rather than merely talking about the safe and easy topics in safe and easy ways. So we're taking a stretch of time to wrestle with a variety of issues that emerge from this pandemic. Now, as you can probably tell, we'll be recording these interviews remotely from our computers until we're able to come back together in our recording studio. For the last couple of episodes, our our president, Dr. Mark Young, has helped us construct a framework for thinking about these issues. And if you haven't heard those episodes, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. Uh, This week, we'll be getting even a bit more specific about one of the ripple effects of this crisis, and I'm grateful that Dr. Young will actually be a guest co-host for some of these discussions. So uh, welcome again, Mark, to to Engage 360, but to this side of the mic, so to speak. Oh, thanks, Don. I love what we're doing with this, and uh, I know that today's conversation is going to be just as meaningful as the ones we've had in the last few weeks. I I hope so. Um, We're going to, let me get it started this week. it could be that many people have a fairly good measure of control or sense of control over whether they contract coronavirus, but we, we have far less control over how it will impact our economy and our work. And that might be the more pervasive fear, even for those who are still able to work right now, uh, in the US anyway, at a time when our economy seemed relatively strong, all of a sudden now we feel like we're walking on paper-thin ice and wondering what the impact of all this will be on our means of livelihood. And that, that sense of precariousness merely aggravates a sentiment that was already pretty widespread and common, and that is the gap that many Christians seem to experience between their faith and their work. Uh, or, or if I could state that a bit differently, how their work relates to their faith. And that's, um, that's particularly those are tr- particularly true for those whose work takes place in what they might consider a quote-unquote secular setting, uh, or if their work doesn't seem to make any deep and significant impact on people, or as if it simply provides a livelihood. And so our guest today, uh, I'm looking forward to his insights on these tensions, and we're excited to uh, interact with him. He is Dr. Drew Yancey. Uh, Drew, welcome to Engage 360. Don, thank you so much. Good to be with you. Good to be with you, Mark. Oh, you're great to be with you too. Thanks. Now, Drew holds uh, an MBA from Texas A&M. He holds an MDiv from Denver Seminary and a PhD from the University of Birmingham, England in their combined School of Business and School of Religion. He's been the CEO of a production merchandising and distribution company, director of strategy for a top 50 uh, food service distributor, and led that company through a merger and acquisition. 
Uh, he's got over a decade of experience in strategy consulting in multiple industries, and I'm happy to say he's also an adjunct professor here at Denver Seminary. Uh, just a little bit more on Drew before we get into conversation with him. Uh, Drew, as I mentioned, finished his PhD uh, combined in business and theology uh, from England and drawing upon that doctoral work, he has a forthcoming book entitled Transforming Enterprise. There's a question mark after that. American Evangelicalism, Capitalism, and the Challenge of Practical Theology. Uh, so I've been really eager to have Drew on the podcast to help us wade through some of these faith and work dilemmas, uh, both from the angle of his corporate experience and from his academic research. And that, um, that conversation really heightens even now with the prospect of pretty widespread economic impact and work impact for, uh, for many of us, whether or not we ever contract coronavirus. So, uh, Drew, why don't you launch us with, uh, first of all, telling us a little bit about your vocational journey, uh, business history, what drew you to seminary, things like that. We'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Wonderful. Um, I, I feel like... Um, so much of what's going on now for me has been uh, just another chapter in uh, in a long professional journey. Um, I come from a multi-generational family business, uh, which means for me, my story started well before I was born. My great-grandfather was a farmer in uh, rural northern Colorado. And uh, as the story has been told, he was a gambler. And one of the ways he found uh, an outlet for his gambling was to go fill up his pickup truck in um, Denver, sometimes driving all the way to Salt Lake City, fill it up with fruit and vegetables, bring it back to the farm and see what he could sell. So that is our proud beginnings of our uh, food service distribution company. As you mentioned, I, I grew up, I, I like to say, uh, Don and Mark, really embedded in the faith and work movement. We were a privately held Christian-owned enterprise, and uh, I saw all the incredible good that came with uh, being able to steward uh, that gift from God for the betterment of our community, for all of our stakeholders. Um, I had parents that really encouraged me to, to explore God uh, and take um, faith uh, as something uh, for me and not just because I grew up in it in a Christian home. And so I went off, did an undergrad in philosophy of religion, um, came to Denver Seminary and I look back on that, and I've, you, both of you have heard me say this before. I mean, Denver Seminary has become such an important uh, spiritual home for me, uh, both as, a, as an alumni and, and a donor and also an adjunct. Um, so I intended to do a PhD after the MDiv, but decided to go back to the family business at that point. And um, over the next four or five years, uh, we went into a season of of pretty strategic discussions and ended up selling a large, a large piece of it. And I like to say from then, I've pretty much been involved in the faith and work uh, interplay, uh, both as a researcher and as, as an executive uh, from a, a professional standpoint. Drew, what, uh, and Mark, jump in here with, um, with your observations and questions. Drew, What's your take on the current crisis? What does it reveal about maybe the relational and social side of um, of our economy and and how capitalism plays into our everyday lives? Hmm. Great question. I I I like to think about what's going on right now in terms of the faith and work discussion, Don and Mark, as 
something that's really just brought to the surface in a stark, in a brutal way, some trend lines that have been at play for a little while. Um, and we could break this down in terms of, of work, faith, and then integration. In, in terms of work, um, if you're not aware before the coronavirus, you probably are now, <laughs> the, the global consumer capitalistic economy plays such a central role in all of our lives. It's not just this mechanical, moral system that sort of works behind the scenes and, and that we can just continue to participate in without having to think about how it shapes our values. Um, and, and COVID has, has unfortunately exposed that in, like I said, brutal ways. Um, and, and I want to be frank about that. We need to lament that, uh, as I've heard both Don, you and Mark talk about in previous podcasts. Um, you know, part of my career trajectory is I've worked in a lot of different industries. I've worked with Fortune 500s all the way down to um, small businesses. Over the last three weeks, I have heard from every single segment uh, and just the war stories of job losses, of, of um, businesses closing, of just destruction, you know, and, and so I think the pulling away of the economy at coming to a grinding halt has revealed for all of us just how central a, a social and relational role it plays. Um, now, also with that said, there's some changes at play that it's highlighted in terms of faith, because we have to think about faith and integrating faith now, and I think in much more subtle ways, in, in, in much more, um, careful and theological ways, uh, in ways that speak to basic human needs and, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and basic human questions about who we are and where do we get our meaning and our purpose. Drew, mm. I'm, I'm intrigued to, to hear your thoughts about the observation or at least the interpretation that uh, the simple fact that poor and poor folks, or those are under-resourced, those who don't have access to adequate health care, uh, those whose jobs are perhaps in the shadows or in the margin of the economy, uh, that they are the ones who pay a higher price when social systems and structures begin to break down and economies begin to, to tumble. Is that also the revealing of some of the ways we've thought about a capitalistic consumer driven economy, some of the shortfalls in having pursued that so wholeheartedly. Could you comment on that observation as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're spot on Mark. And when you say we, I, I think we need to be honest and say we as a, as an evangelical community um, have mm -hmm. tended to look at uh, the capitalist system as primarily an individualistic um, consumer, um, like I said, amoral thing that it's just in the air that we breathe and we don't really think about its implications. And uh, Don, you mentioned the book that I, that is actually now officially released called Transforming Enterprise. And I, I spend a large piece of that um, researching the first 30 years of the faith and work movement inside evangelicalism. And and you see that clear articulation, Mark, uh, that that's primarily how we understand it. And, and COVID reveals the, the shortfalls of that understanding. I mean, 
it's hard to come to terms with this number. Uh, Department of Labor just released 6 million unemployment yeah. claims today. Um, the, you know, the average over the last 30 years has been about 350,000 a week. So we, we just had 6 million in one week. And the vast majority of those are in the hospitality sector, the hourly workers, they're gonna be the ones hit the hardest, the travel sector. Um, so it's going to force us, I think, as an evangelical community, as a broader Christian community, to think about the structural components of capitalism in a way that we've never really been forced to have to do. And I'll add one one final comment on that. Um, I don't see a lot of people talking about this, but I think it's something we need to remember going into this first quarter. If you looked at what was happening in the lead up to the 2020 election, within the Democratic Party, uh, most of the discussion was around this issue, the structural issues of mm -hmm. capitalism. Mm -hmm. And if you look at polling data, younger generations, I don't care if they're right, if they're left, if they're Christian or they're non, they're far more aware and attuned to this question. And if you think uh, this was a big question going into COVID, imagine how central this question of how do we account for, how do we even correct for, the structural implications of our capitalist system uh, coming out of COVID in the in the broader election, it's it's going to be central to it. Yeah, that's that's a great observation. It also brings to the fore, I think, Drew, the uneasy relationship that many evangelicals have created between business or capitalism on the one hand and the role of uh, the federal government or any government. So. The fact, for example, that unemployment is essentially now a way for uh, an entity other than business to care for workers that businesses cannot care for yeah. in this current, in this, uh, current scenario, uh, it seems to me also raises to the fore uh, whether or not we need a reset and how we think about the role of government in relationship to business in what is essentially a capitalistic system. And I think I'm correct in saying you were right, it was over 6 million who applied for unemployment, I think yesterday, but I believe the number is over 10 million in the last two days. So uh, last two weeks, yep, you're correct. Last two weeks, okay. So we're talking about, at one level, we could say this highlights a tremendous deficit in the way we have thought about the resources necessary to do business. We think about capital, but oftentimes in capital, we don't include people. And in that conversation, then when the businesses collapse, those people pay the highest price. But I, I think that needs some really serious theological reflection. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, I think one, one potential implication, uh, even this early in this process, is, is to say um, that Christian business leaders, those who are in, um, whether it's quote-unquote secular workplaces or, or not, um, those who are on the front lines of, of trying to work through these, these very tough questions. And I've, throughout my career as, as a business executive, I've been through various crises. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was the head of a company when um, 
within six months of my tenure, our revenue was turned off overnight because we were a specialist government contractor. And this was 2013 when the US government decided to shut down. Um, so I, I know firsthand these questions and they're very tough. Um, I think church leaders, local on the ground church leaders need to be in conversation with, dialoguing with, uh, local Christian business leaders and vice versa. We need each other now more than ever in the body of Christ because both sides are probably dealing with questions that are categorically different than what they've dealt with before. I mean, a, a, a manager of a team of people inside of a secular company, if they're a Christian right now, they're shepherding, um, they're, they're counseling, um, they're trying to point people to hope. And vice versa, you know, church leaders uh, are leading organizations where um, now their central uh, core function, if you will, gathering together on Sunday uh, has been overturned. And, and so how, how do they think now differently about how they deliver value to their constituencies and mm -hmm. how do they manage risk? I mean, those are questions that business leaders can speak to. Mm -hmm. So really everybody, every, everybody's having to deal with a set of questions that are very strange to them, very new to them. Yes, absolutely. You know, as an employer, I, I think, you know, we're not a business in the sense of we don't, we don't bring profit to shareholders or to owners, but we do have to operate by business principles and sound economic um, principles. And I would say as an employer in this kind of scenario, uh, it's terrifying to think of not having adequate institutional resourcing to be able to keep a payroll, to, be, to meet a payroll on a regular basis through the next few months. Um, I'm not saying we're not in that position. I'm just saying as a leader, that is a, a real concern, a very heavy burden. And if we, go back, if we go back to this question of, what needs to be an appropriate interplay between the business itself and uh, a regulatory agency, a government, um, it is, I think, a good sign that in the um, bill that was passed, the $2 trillion relief bill, there were particular um, incentives to help employers retain their employees through the small business loan portion of that bill, and even to have part of that loan forgiven uh, if they're able to retain their payroll uh, throughout, the, throughout the next few uh, ter terms of a loan or next few months. I think that's a, a good example of business and government attempting to address uh, a, a serious crisis for workers. Absolutely. And I, we might even add the language of, of common good into that yes. point, Mark, yes. right? And, and, you know, I'm trying to remind people um, that I think part of how we look at COVID from a theological lens, uh, if, if, we're, if we're looking at how, how Jesus looked at the world and trying to draw some principles from that, um, pointing to all the good that we see even some major uh, quote unquote secular employers uh, taking right now to fortify their, their employees, to, um, to, you mm -hmm. know, distribute wages and bonuses to support. I mean, there's, 
like with many times of global crises, we see these, these values of shared humanity that emerge. And I think it is distinctly Christian to say there is some common good that we can yeah. applaud, even yeah. if it occurs, um, you know, outside the parameters of the body of Christ. And maybe we take that and say, what does that mean for us? Um, how, how ought that inspire the way that we act and that we give and that we serve? Drew, if we boil this down um, to this, the street level, uh, you know, implications for individuals who, whose jobs are really on the bubble or maybe they are gone, uh, using those as working examples, uh, I'm sorry, no pun intended there, but just, <laughs> you know, it's case studies. Yeah. Um, what do you think is going to be, the, uh, what are going to be some of the new normals for work in a, in a post COVID world and, and, and challenges for integrating faith and work in that world? Yeah. You know, there's so many ways to look at that question. And I do think, um, Don, you know, we, we could all benefit a little bit from from the Lutheran perspective here of the two kingdoms mentality. There are some elements of what's going on that are very core to um, to our our participation in the world of of enterprise and work of providing. Um, there are very real questions around. Uh, you know, people needing job training and, and transferring of careers and, and, and uh, new support for that, um, irrespective of, of the role that faith can play, right? Um, and I think that the body of Christ needs to be uh, attentive to those as well, um, of, of sort of the immediate pressing needs of where am I going to find work um, and what do I need to improve upon, or, or what do I need in terms of resources? Um, what do I need in terms of support to do that? Uh, the, the faith perspective is, is, is interesting. Um, you know, this is one of those areas in, in, in my book where, where I explored a question that I could have never anticipated in terms of timing, uh, but I think COVID has only intensified, and, and it really is an opportunity. I, I think we'll look back on this whole unprecedented experience uh, from a faith perspective as, as a once in a lifetime opportunity um, to think deeply about our attachments. And, and when I say the word attachments, I'm drawing on the language of, of the ascetic strain in, in Christian uh, traditions, this whole idea of, of stepping back, of detaching from the world, in order to reorder our loves and our wants. And um, I, in, in my book, I pick up on a, an expression of that in early Christian history um, in, the, in the late Middle Ages. Uh, it was under the, the theme of Gelassenheit, which is a German word that the a very strange uh, medieval theologian Meister Eckhart developed um, uh, to express this this need that we all have, and I, I think it's quite intuitive uh, that this community, uh, uh, Eckhart, and then the Anabaptists who who followed him, uh, thought about this well before capitalism. Um, but but really, we're all participating in the world as consumers in some way, and how we consume, how we interact with power and money, um, actually shapes our values. Um, and so we need at times, uh, and we see this all over scripture, 
particularly in the life of Jesus, those, those seasons of detaching so that we can realign our hearts to God. Like it or not, we have all been forced into a, a Galassenheit, a season of, of detaching. And I think it, it is uh, an opportunity for us to reflect individually and collectively. That's very important, particularly for us evangelicals to hear that, that this is a collective, first and foremost, a collective reflection of ways that we might re-engage the consumer economy um, with new habits uh, that are maybe more spiritually uh, formed and, and, and thickly rooted. That it encourages me to hear you say that, Drew and, and Mark. I'd, um, I'm eager to hear your thoughts on that because it, it is so easy as a default to engage this set of COVID conversations from a very morose uh, or, or gloomy yes, uh, perspective. Yes. And if, if we truly are going to live redemptively and, and have that as more than merely a slogan, but, but a reality in our lives to live redemptively, we, we have to be able in, in a sane, realistic and honest way. We, I think we have to be able to see this in terms of uh, opportunity for the Lord's redemptive touch to, to explode in ways that it probably wouldn't have had we continued to live in a more comfortable, predictable plane of existence. I think that's definitely true, Don. And certainly a perspective that those of us who lead organizations have to retain is the perspective of what learning do we have? What faults and cracks in our foundations did we see through this kind of crisis? And then with a group of people, be willing to say, okay, there's, there's life after uh, this particular period of the COVID uh, threat that we're, we're going to operate differently. I think on the business side, it's interesting to think back to the 2008 collapse of, uh, in some regards, really the way we, we um, our monetary system, so to speak, meaning remember that capital markets froze, there was no credit available, banks were failing. And it was it is interesting to note that changes were made in those systems that at this point anyway, we haven't experienced the same type of collapse that we experienced in 2008, a different kind of collapse, but not the same. So what are the ways that we could say in the business world and the way we think about business, the way we think about employees, the way we think about profit, the way we think about credit, the way we think about debt, all those kinds of things. What are the ways that we could begin to, to shape businesses differently? And in the nonprofit world, I think very many of those questions remain the same. What does it mean to be financially sustainable and viable as a nonprofit? Uh, what kind of efficiencies have we ignored in the past in order to retain um, a certain institutional value or institutional profile that really, really continue to contribute to weakness uh, financially. I think you're going to see a lot of us restructuring, rethinking how best to create viable organizations and for us ministries as we move forward. And I would assume you'll see the same thing in the business, in the business side as well. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, uh, to put this into maybe more um, uh, 
you know, formal business language. I, I, I spend a lot of my uh, time advising uh, corporations, um, businesses on innovation strategy. And there's a term that we use in the world of innovation called system shock. And the whole idea of system shock is something that happens sort of outside of your realm of direct control that creates disruptions. And uh, if there's if, if COVID isn't a system shock, I don't know what is. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's interesting because um, as, as a species, we're actually hardwired uh, to innovate. And by that, I mean, you know, scientists have, have shown that, that over the course of, of, of our um, progression and evolution as a human species, we, we actually increase our learning and adaptation in times uh, of threat. Sure. So, so those questions that you're asking, Mark, um, we should expect that coming out of this, we would look back, you know, five years from now and see so much innovation that occurred. Mm -hmm. um, but it does take a certain commitment to, um, to dealing with the unknown, mm -hmm. um, to remaining, you know, this, this balancing act that I think um, a lot of leaders for profit and nonprofit Christian or non have to balance. And that's remaining central to our core values but being willing to question everything else about mm -hmm. how we do business, how we lead people, where we, where we uh, do business, um, you know, the operations we depend on, the partnerships we have, uh, all of those things. But, but let's not lose sight. I mean, as Christians, right, we're, we're guided by a certain set of core values um, mm -hmm. that, you know, in times like this, I, 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 I appreciate, uh, particularly in the you know, the, the comforts, still relative comforts of the first world context, uh, the New Testament was born in crisis. Uh, the life of Jesus was, was pretty much um, extended through a series of major social political crises. And so we're probably closer to those contexts in something like this than we were uh, pre-crises. Mm. Couple of uh, maybe quick closing thoughts from you, Drew if you distill this to some real nuts and bolts on a personal level, what does it look like for us to live redemptively and to love neighbor well during this time? Other, other than sharing, you know, eggs and toilet paper, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. That was going to be my first. I know. I know. I want to take that one out of your hands. <laughs> um, I think number one, the radical pursuit of, of community. And, and I know that that sounds almost criminal because we hear this term social distancing, but, but please hear what I'm saying. Um, I'm, I'm talking about community in terms of who are we reflecting on all of this with. Uh, in, in the field of theology, uh, we use the term, you know, reflexivity to refer to that, that process that's very needed for the maturation of, of theological beliefs and convictions, wherein we're not just reflecting as individuals on the world, but we're actually reflecting on ourselves. And the interesting thing about reflexivity is you can't reflect on yourself by yourself. Mm -hmm. So probably a lot of people today find themselves more disconnected from physical community than ever before, which I think puts a premium on being connected to 
uh, even digitally, um, socially, uh, some sort of digital community. The body of Christ really needs to work hard to make sure we're as connected now as ever before. Um, I think, uh, you know, something is, is practical for me in my own uh, wrestling in, in these areas of, of, of just spiritual growth during this time. Scripture memory has become a really um, important uh, go-to uh, because for a lot of us, paradoxically, we, we have a lot more time on our hands, potentially. And yet we have more options than ever on what we fill that time with. So what a better time to get into uh, a scripture memory, uh, you know, routine. Love it. Drew, thanks. This has been a, just an illuminating conversation and lots of challenges grow out of this that I hope all of us, um, all of our listeners, all, all of us here at Denver Seminary will continue to, to drill into in, in days to come. Uh, We've been uh, interacting with Dr. Drew Yancey, and I want to remind you of his book that is now released, Transforming Enterprise. Uh, you can pick that up, uh, I think, just about anywhere you pick up books. And we uh, hope to connect with you again in the coming weeks. In these next few weeks, we're going to be talking about other aspects of how this crisis is impacting our world. Uh, for example, how it's impacting some of the hidden pockets of our population and how some churches and other ministries are are creatively uh, reaching out to them. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the challenges and the creative opportunities that all this creates for worship and community, topics that we've touched on today with Drew and lots of other things. So uh, I want to assure you we're also going to be looking at these through a redemptive lens, not merely through a gloom and doom lens. Uh, if you listen uh, through the seminary website, you can simply go to Engage360. That's one word, no spaces. Uh, on any one of our or on any one of our popular platforms and, and leave your comments there. For all of us here at Denver Seminary, um, I'm Don Payne, your host. I want to give you our thanks for spending some of your time with us. We hope and pray that you find it beneficial. Be safe, be well, be wise, but be engaged. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>